If Cork's plan A breaks down, their plan B doesn't work at all. So Limerick have Cork's plan A down to a T. They can neutralise that and then Cork's plan B is just not working because they don't seem to have one. Subscribe to the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB Sports app now. The Football Pod on OTB Sports. In partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to episode 14 of the Football Pod. Paddy Andrews, you're very welcome along. James O'Donoghue, I'm going to start with you. Who was the biggest disappointment Thanks. of this championship weekend? Oh, team-wise? Anything. Player, team, manager. Give me your shot. We have a couple of contenders. You do this Well, week. for me, yeah, there was a few, but it has to be Armagh. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to give it to Armagh because they were so promising. It's such a great start to the league. They were playing great brand of football, kicking the ball, great handling, you know, just ripping teams apart. And then yesterday, they just went into the game so slowly and predictable and they just didn't come what we thought they'd come with. And that, that was the disappointing thing for me with them. Now, they have way more gears and they can be way better, but... It was just disappointing they didn't get off to, to the good start in Ulster. But yeah, biggest disappointment for me, definitely. You know, you were listening to episode 14 of the Football Pod here, and usually we come in with a, a soft enough start. Usually we get a couple of stories from the boys. But we just thought this week we'd get straight to it because there was a couple of contenders, Paddy. Like, I'm surprised they didn't go for Mayo there. They absolutely let us all down this week. They didn't turn up <laughs> until the last five minutes of that game. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think that's totally fair. I thought their second quarter, I thought they started really slowly. Galway fired out of the blocks. I thought Mayo were well on top. They got a, a grip on Gleason's kickouts in the second quarter and came into it. Ryan O'Donoghue had his best patch of the game. But the second half was is diabolical, too strong a word. Like they scored one point from play 31 minutes into the second half. They James Carr score and then they'd one other free from Killian O'Connor. It was just a total systems failure in the second half. And then Mayo did what they do. <laughs> they're six points down and the game is well and truly over and they rattle off five points in the next five minutes. And almost nick it a little bit more composure in the final play. They got a shot off. It wasn't the right shot. I'm sure we'll touch on it. Mm. But they could have got that into extra time and it was just vintage Mayo. It was probably the most exciting bit of the game. I don't think it was a great game. I don't think the Donegal-Armagh game was a great game, the way that panned out. Um, they were both very intriguing, as we knew they would be. Tactically, the matchups, what sort of style of play teams are going to play. But I thought the quality, I have to say, the shooting across both the games, the same, I watched the Cavan Antrim game in Corrigan Park on Saturday as well. I used to think if you had a gale force win behind you, lads, it was easier to score. But has that just totally changed since I've retired? It, it was kind of, it was, that's actually kind of the theme of the weekend, so really, was the, the shooting efficiency was so low across the board. Are oh, teams the board. focusing, and James, I'm going to bring you in here, are teams not focusing on that enough? No, they're not. 100% they're not. Yeah. But I think that it's in, it's in teams' head as well. Say if there's a strong wind mm. and you're with it and you take on a shot that's maybe kind of, Half on, but with the wind, it's on. And it goes wide. And the goalie takes all day to get the ball. He might fumble the ball. He might get his cone. He might have a chat with the umpire. Might pull a pick And for suddenly, 
you're what's that? You might pull a Jordan Pickford, get yeah, it and roll exactly. down on the ground. Yeah. yeah. So you're playing with the wind, you're trying to do a bit of urgency in the in your play, and next thing you've kicked the silly wide and the goalie's punished you by taking his time as well. So that is like teams are getting very smart. Like we saw in the Galway game, they played a very smart. Um, but yes. I always say just the at training. You used to have 20 minutes of shooting before training and probably 15 minutes of shooting <laughs> afterwards. No, it's 20 minutes of bends and a meeting. He's like, like a broken record with this, Tommy. This kicks him off. <laughs> he's, he's right, though, Paddy. He's I, right. It is no, I, I, I agree. The amount of uh, reps has just gone down shooting. Like let's let's just stick on this for a second, right? And, and let me just give a reminder. You are listening to episode 14 of the Football Pod. Please do hit subscribe if you're listening in. It is brought to you in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the GEA Senior Football Championship. Hashtag check out, hashtag the toughest for more. Paddy Andrews, when you were 14, 15 years old, when you were coming into the Dublin setup, was there, I'm not talking about street football here, but was there a bit more of a reliance on flair and football and and, and All I did was shoot. All you did was shoot. I, I wouldn't pass to anyone and that was <laughs> to my detriment. But, uh, but I, I definitely, like I'll give you some examples here, right? Cavan on Saturday absolutely blew Antrim out of the water. And in the first half, they had seven scores from 18 shots. 38%. Gale force win. And somehow, they were only a point up at halftime against Antrim. They scored 113 against the wind. Yeah. And, but this is a Gale force win behind them. And they were absolutely wiping Antrim out in their kickouts. The James Smith and Paddy Lynch inside. They were cleaning house. And they literally just could not score. And I was thinking, okay, is that Cavern playing Division 4? There's areas to work on there. Then we go into the game on Sunday and you've got two of the top teams in the country, two Division 1 teams established. Like I said, I thought the winner of the Ulster Championship would come out of this game. And it's the same story. Donegal, completely and utterly wipe out and uh, Ethan Rafferty on the Armagh kick out. Unbelievable. And the same thing. Cannot kick the ball over the bar. And you're thinking, lads, what is the story here? Armagh in the second half, Complete role reversal. The first seven minutes, they've seven shots. Yeah. No scores. Donegal go up and McBrady's goal finishes it. Just, an odd one it just stuck in my head at the time because they were our man were struggling for scores and they were totally dominant and they needed that momentum. Rory Grugan's mark. Did you see this one, lads? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Took it on the wrong side. Out, outside of the left. Outside. Outside of the left. Why? Yeah. yeah. I could not I, if you're into the wind, that one makes sense. That you've got to put a bit more on it. But when I see and when the second he caught it, he kind of lined it up. And I was like, surely not. Not from there. It's just such a the margin for error is so small with that. And he goes for it. And and it's wide again. And you could see Armada panic had set in there. They knew they were on top and they weren't reeling them in. Did seven goals in the first 10 minutes, second half, no scores. Donegal go up. I think it was neither. O'Donnell gets the score, does he? One of the O'Donnells get the score, yeah. yeah. Like, like and then we're gonna... goal. Caelan Ward drifts up, sneaks up the blind side, pops into McBrady, and I have to say, the race was run at that yeah. point. We were the mass momentum was gone. And it was just a shooting efficiency. Donegal's so guilty of it in the first half, or my guilty of it. It was that first 10 half. minutes. They came out like a train, Paddy, and we're going to go into in depth in that 10 make minutes. Make a count spell. up. You have They'll to make, make count. the momentum that they would have got. They should have had 2-3. Yeah. Now, the goal is... Uh, the goal at the start, I don't know whether the goal was or not. It's it's a tough one to, to call that. But like, I think it. I think on it was a goal. It, I it thought was it was a goal too. Topical. You thought it was a goal. I did. Yeah. I thought it was a goal. 
But he does, he doesn't follow the ball. Like the, the keeper gives it back to him. He kind of kicks it into his stomach, and the keeper gives it back to him. It ricochets off him. Isn't it, it a bit though, like the soccer goalkeepers lads, where they were a protected species? Yeah. Yeah. Soccer goalkeeper comes out and he's getting. If you touch him, it's a free, it's a free out. And the GAA, I always got the sense if you go near a goalkeeper in the square, even if you don't even make contact with him, cleanly knock the ball in. Referees were always going to err on their side. But when you look, when you go through the replay, slow-mo, it nearly looks as like Very a bloody goal player nearly knocking out a pattern. That's what it looked like, yeah. But what did the ref give the free for? Did he did he give um I don't think Morris I don't think Morris Deegan didn't explain Morris Deegan was 40 yards away. Do you know and I know what <laughs> happened? I know what happened right <laughs> from the throw in. I know Hold what on. happened right well, from the throw in. I, I, I he wasn't 40 yards away. McConville said he was 40 yards. Oh, he's top of the D, but he's top of the D. He's he's, 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 in the D. he's nearly on the 21. Okay. He's in the D. McConville was taking a bit of commentator's license there. I'd love to know how fast the referees are over 10 meter sprint. We should do 10 meter Morris speed. Morris is not lightning, lads. Yeah. Because Coldrick. He's for, a stare. He's not, he's not quick off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> he's because long distance, baby. For the Jason Doherty, for the Jason Doherty penalty shot and long was balls. Penalty, he was playing for that. Oh, I, I thought it was uh, penalty. But, but Coldrick. You Coldrick thought that was, was in my career out of that. Penel was that a pen? No. Not a whole penel. I thought it was I close. Sure, you have comment. to be able Grab to the arm, twirl around. Doherty knew exactly what he was doing. Coldrick okay. actually pulled me on that in an All Ireland final against Hughes, Jimmy. I was going by, and he was shown for. Speed. I remember it. I remember it. And I was knackered, and I was like, "Fion, just give us your arm there. Come on, put the hand in." And I grabbed it, and Coldrick knew exactly what it was at, and I was oh. ro- I nearly was roaring after him. And what like, does he say to you? Does he? Does he say? It is basically it is, yeah. Did he, he call you? Did David Calder said, Paddy Andrews, you just dived? I had a bit of a rep in the end, somehow I was getting for it. Uh, so when you don't have any pace, you have to be creative. Like. But, That's uh, your soccer days, no, as well, you see. A little bit of that, yeah. But uh, no, the Doherty one, no chance was that a penalty. Okay. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was playing for it. Another he was good con- defending, and he had to he had to try and win a free there because he was oh, going yeah. to be gobbled up. Yeah. He, he, there was, say, diving. There was a nice bit of diving in the game. Before we get to that, James, and I know what you're talking about, there was another more contentious issue in that game. Kieran oh. O'Connor and Finian Lee clashing in midfield. That's the one I'm talking I, about. Oh, is that the one you're talking about? Okay, talk to me. <laughs> Do you think that's a dive? Do you think that's a dive? It's not a dive, but it's very cute by Killian. Like, <laughs> if you see the very cute by Killian. If you I've heard that one before over the years. He now. doesn't he doesn't back his pace to to get beyond him or to keep ahead of him. And he's cut across him, and they've gone down. But like, who's the Galway player? Keen O'Connor nearly decapitates in, at the end there as well. Oh, he got booked for Pat, it, didn't he? Yeah, Patrick yeah. He, he's a he's a great man for that one. Just yeah. going for a tackle, <laughs> and he almost broke your jaw there. That was, I think, that was maybe. Yeah, we talk about Galway and the amount of times we're <laughs> players. I think Patrick Kelly, you know, he needed that couple of minutes on the ground that time. There was a couple of times it didn't. But James, but like Finian O'Lee puts his hands on O'Connor's shoulders. Yeah, but if somebody runs in your line, you can't put your hands behind your back and just go with your legs. Like if someone runs in your line, you have to almost stabilize yourself as well a bit and you have to make some sort of contact with him. Jimmy, bear in mind, you're the, you're the face of GA disciplinary action now. <laughs> so who, you're, who's tidy on this week? Do you think Killian was that, being cute there? Like? 100, 100, and he was. 100%, but, he absolutely yeah, was. He was, yeah. But... I, there was nothing really to gain. I, I don't think he went to get him a black card, so there was nothing really to gain from it either because they weren't going to get a, f- a free to, to have a shot. So it was a strange well, one, but I felt sorry Jimmy, for him. That, 
as that happened, Fino Lee goes off, and, and that is the period where, where Mayo get back into the game, really. That yeah. period before half time, they get back on top, they get on top of Gleason's kickouts, they have the extra man, it allows them to push up and be a bit more aggressive. And Mayo, that's probably the only period bar the last five minutes where, where Mayo dominated the game. Um, so it, do, it does make a difference in games this tight. Yeah. Be down to 14 men. That, that, that is a big swing, a big swing in momentum. And you've seen how important it is and how hard it is to get it back. But um, a couple of decisions, I think, probably was a goal in Bally Buffet. I have to say that there's, it would be great to hear from Morris Deegan. We're not going to hear from him. It's a pity. And it's a pity we don't hear it, you know. It's a pity but we I thought, don't have Caldrick, that. I thought the, the penalty thing with okay. Jason Doherty was spot on. 100% Caldrick did that right. Like, I think the O'Connor incident is soft, but I do think it's a black card. And I'm, I just can't blame Kenny O'Connor for that. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a dive. A lot of people are calling him a diver for it. I don't think that's dive. Have you ever played no, against not, What he's done is, what he's done is cut across him so he doesn't get beaten in the run. Paddy, will you elaborate? I'm not saying that? he went out to get a black card, like, but it, like he cut okay. across him. Have you done that before? Yeah. Paddy. No, I was never beaten. Jimmy, you're incriminating yourself together. <laughs> <laughs> there was the CCC one time. are adding no. on another game to a club suspension. <laughs> you would do it. You cut across the fella. Like, even when you're taking a man on with the ball, mm. yeah. you try and get a yard, and then you have to cut across him at some stage to stop his momentum. And then a cute forward will go down in that situation as well. So you know, that might be a play tang- tangle of legs. We had our predictions last week. James O'Donoghue was talking up the benefits of home advantage a lot. <laughs> then he bottled it, James. You bottled it. You, you kind of pull out a one or two. You, you twisted my arm to change that one. I, if I should have stuck to my guns. Easily influenced, Jimmy. You would have had some weekend if you stuck to your guns. So, as Definitely. we mentioned, yeah, Galway, Galway won 14. I tip Galway. You so did I. You know, neither you did. We were we gave go a right chance, boys, but nobody tipped them. We, we said, we tight, said if they got their defensive tight. system. That was in the kind of quarterfinal. Go away, go on to play Leitrim in Salt Hill in uh, two weeks. And next weekend in the other Connacht semi-final, Roscommon are playing Sligo. We'll talk about that in a little while. Up in Ulster in Bally Buffet. Donegal won 16. James O'Donoghue's Donegal. He's backed them for the Ulster title. Bet Paddy Andrews Zarma. 116 to 12. A bit of a trim in there. Disappointing. In Navin. Loud put five goals by Carlo, five, ten to ten points. Samuel Roy but that one right, five. lads. You did. Connor Grimes got a good goal for Loud as well. So, um, they're playing Kildare next. So, we will see if the little hype and the buzz around Loud is legit. They're playing Kildare next. So, that's going to be well worth looking at. Wexford 115, Offaly 112. James O'Donoghue, you had a wedding this weekend. You didn't even bloody know the Wexford one. I didn't know the Wexford one. <laughs> you didn't. You come on your assistant, Jimmy, to text his results. <laughs> I did a lot to catch up by now, to be fair. Ben Brosnan shot the lights killer. You don't, you don't see a thing when you're at the wedding. Yeah, yeah listen, you need to. You've got the right table. We've spoken about this before. <laughs> did you not? Old, iPhone out. Did you not have the game on, the game streaming? No, drop it on. Anyone on your table have the game on? No? I didn't. I actually, that would be disrespectful to the bride and groom. Were you at the top table? <laughs> <laughs> How involved yeah. were you in the wedding? Were you at the top table? I no? wasn't involved. You were close no. to it. Okay. No. You were close to it. Yeah, corner. No, so corner, you, you yeah. couldn't hide away. Okay. Stay so up. Wexford 115, Offaly 112. I was listening to John Mohan afterwards talking about all the injuries they had. They actually, I think, didn't train one night during the week for fear that they might get more injuries. Wicklow, right? What a scoreline. This is a bloody hurling scoreline. Wicklow 515, Leash 412 in Ockram. 
absolutely outrageous result. It's Mini just, leagues, was it? It was unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable stuff. And, and Wicklow had clocked up a savage lead at halftime. And Leash, I think, just left it a little bit too late to come back in that game. But um, that's an unbelievable result. And Wicklow will go on to play Mead next weekend. Just to mention, Kevin Quinn, a hat-trick of goals. Seen that? Nice. Yep. Young Kevin Quinn. So that's a, a player to watch from Wicklow. They've had a couple of marquee footballers over the last 20 or 30 years. Maybe Kevin Quinn is the next one. Was it right foot, left foot header? I don't know. Right foot, left foot, Pam. Any, any confirmation <laughs> on that? Wrong winner. Perfect uh, Have you ever had a hat trick, Paddy? You yeah, did. Uh, you had a hat trick of penalties. Hat trick of penalties against David Clark once, didn't you? That was all one go to, and none of them went in. None of them went in. Um, Failing. No, I think I scored a hat trick and failing, and then training okay. once as well. <laughs> training. James. No one hat trick. One hat trick against Tyrone the league. Yeah. Oh. Once. What year? Thirteen, I'd say. Thirteen, I think. Yeah. Who was married? Oh. 13 or 15. That's against Tyrone. Uh, Who's on you? I'm not sure. I forget. Okay. Probably didn't play again anyway, did he? <laughs> I, should have, I should have checked that. I didn't mark him since. I'd say, yeah, it was kind of like, um, I'd say an experimental kind of a team. Sounds it. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll check that out. And then on Saturday, Paddy Anders is doing his due diligence watching Cavan 120 and from 10 points. I couldn't get BBC Northern Ireland down here in Clare. And then I figured out, I'm probably not supposed to say this, I figured out a way of getting it the next day. Um, so that is the results from the weekend. There's a, a tasty weekend coming up that we'll preview. On Saturday, we've got Sligo Roscommon in Markovich Park. We've got Westmead Longford in Cusick Park, the Midlands Derby, or the Midlands El Clasico, as it's known. And Dublin Wexford in Chadwick's Wexford Park. Is Conor Callan back? I hope so. I bloody hope so. It's been what, what, four weeks or five? It'll be five weeks since Dublin played uh, Monaghan and Clonus in that league game. So <sighs> there was talk that he was around the squad at that point. So you're hoping that, yeah, he's, he's just such a massive player. You are listening to episode 14 of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. We are going to be back after this, getting stuck in to the weekend's football. James O'Donoghue. Were you surprised by the way that Galway set up this weekend? No, not at all. Um, we said it, that if they were going to win the game, they'd have to change something. Um, they've probably used a defensive system in the past uh, a couple of times, but it's definitely been their main focus over the last couple of weeks. It was clear and obvious. You could even hear Keane O'Neill on the sideline barking orders at them like it was definitely their main focus over the last couple of weeks was sort out their their defence um, that did stifle Mayo completely in the first half especially I don't think that Mayo could could manage to break him down and Galway seemed to be able to pick off their scores but to do that you need to be very clinical up front because they didn't have a lot of possession I'd say the possession might have been maybe 65-35 kind of that to Mayo uh, so Galway, whenever they did have the ball, they had to score, and they did. Shane Walsh was kicking, kicking forties. Conroy came up with such moments, kick scores, fifties. Apologies. Uh, Comer was excellent, and minimal possessions as well. So all those fellas had to get do a lot of damage with not that much possession, um, which takes yeah, which takes a lot of guts and a lot of bravery. And I thought they did it very well. And in fairness, the defensive system worked worked a t. Let's stick on that defensive system for a minute because um, Paddy Andrews on Twitter 
at the weekend. The improvement in defensive organisation and work rate from Galway over the last three weeks since the league final defeat is very impressive. Tight at the end, but a deserved victory and their big players stood up. That defensive setup, Paddy, the Galway rope it opens a little bit with that league final performance against Roscommon. Um, no, I, I don't think so. Um, you asked us last week, make the case for Galway, and there wasn't the case from what we'd seen in the league final towards the end of the league, that if they played that way and the, the probably style of play that they haven't played, they would struggle to, to contain Mayo. And it was a question mark whether they would go, go down that road. But a power of choice, we kind of say, listen, we, we want to play this free flow and we want to play this attacking football, all that good stuff. But they needed to have a bit more steel in their defensive setup. And you could see straight from the throw up, Dylan McHugh and Kieran Malloy dropping back in, kind of cheating off, letting Mayo have the ball out around the middle of the pitch. It's not something Mayo are particularly good at themselves, breaking down that type of defence. So is this something Galway will use going forward in, say, in a Connacht final if they were to play Ross Common in a few weeks' time? Uh, will they use it against Leitrim? Or was it specifically for Mayo? Whatever way it was, I thought it was exactly what was required for them to win that game and give themselves a chance. The organisation they had... That's not something you can just turn around and say, right, we're going to bring lads back and we'll be fine. It was very set in what they were doing. They could have Niall Daly coming back from centre forward. He was filling the hole. Paul Conroy was dropping off, sitting at the top of the D, and everyone else was really tight in their men. And they're forcing Mayo away down the wings. And Mayo, without Paddy Durkin, without Ushin Mullen, probably minding himself and kind of being preoccupied with Shane Walsh up the pitch, they didn't have guys that could break that line. And it's not something Mayo traditionally have been good at, but Galway's tactics, the organisation, and also their attitude. That is a hard game to play. Yeah. Like you're getting Damien Comer sprinting back, even though you mightn't get a lot of tackles, contact tackles, you're basically running up and down the pitch. When you have the ball, you've got to break, you've got to get forward. I thought he was excellent at that. Conroy as well obviously came to the fore. But when the second the ball turns over, you've got to be switched on and you've got to run 80 yards back to the pitch and get into it get into position. These are not things we were associating with Galway or, or, or anything we have associated with them, not just this season, but over the last couple of years. Definitely. That kind of soft underbelly. And for them to win that game in Castlebar and to beat Mayo, they needed to show a side of them that we hadn't seen before. <laughs> and their organisation, their attitude, and just their, their total defensive structure was the most impressive thing. And that's what won them the game. That's oh, ultimately what shut Mayo down. I want to come back to that game, the game management that we saw from Galway as well, because I thought that was very good. But in the league, right, there was a lot made of the fact that Cork put 217 on Galway in that game. Now, Galway scored 322. That in round three, that was round four. And in round three, Offaly scored 310, right down the middle. But yeah. in round five, and Kevin Walsh spoke about this this morning on OTBAM, Galway had 15 men behind the ball against Clare. It was 1-2 apiece at half time. Now, there's a lot of these games where there's a savage wind in these games. 1-2 apiece at half time. And against Derry, Galway implemented this, this system pretty much the same. You can be damn sure that James Horan had the footage of those games. But, like, did he sleepwalk into this? Surely Mayo knew this was coming from Galway. Well, uh, I think that, like, fair enough, you can do these defensive systems in league games. But until you're in, like, a do or die championship match against your biggest rivals, that's the only time where it actually comes out in force and you're, you're doing everything to a tee. Like those league games, the league is a great showcase, but some of the results there, John, they're not, 
they're not the real team you're seeing. Do you know? So it's only when you actually put your best 15 on the field in a situation where you have to do it or you're gone. That's when it comes out. So even if Mayo had seen Galway do this defensive system, they wouldn't have seen them do it probably very well. So they would have thought maybe we'll pick holes here, no problem. But in fairness to Mayo, right, they got 16 points. Now, a lot of them were at the end, right? They probably got three or four at the end. Five. But they left a lot the out there. Five scores. They, have. they left a lot out there. Darty had a goal chance that was blocked off the line. Killian O'Connor got in around the back. Do you remember with a great pass yeah. um, over the top? And if he was sharper, he would have had a goal chance. They, they missed a couple of frees. If Henley was there, he would have got one. Um, and Ruan didn't have his shooting boots on. I remember the commentary saying he missed Zero four. from four. Yeah. So, like, you're, they left two, four, two, five out there, and they still got 16 points. It's, so it's, as good as Galway were defensively, there's still opportunities there for Mayo. It's such Jimmy, fine margins. It comes down to a point at the end, but with 10 minutes to go in that game, Paddy, it didn't feel like Mayo could come back. They had been so flat in the second half. No, but, but this is what Mayo do. <laughs> You've got to give them eternal credit for it, but I wouldn't necessarily agree with a whole pile of maybe what Spillane says when it comes to, to analysing things, but I thought he wasn't far off yesterday. They had 31 shots and they scored 16 scores. And it's the same thing. When Mayo lose tight games like that, there's usually there's common teams and common areas where they lose these games. And that scoring efficiency is definitely one of them. It's one of the key aspects. Now, there's a bit of that is just poor execution from Mayo, but you've got to give credit to Galway in that setup. They were not giving away cheap shots. And you, you list off those scores earlier in the National League, 220 and 310 and 3 Galway shut that avenue down yesterday. Mm. Was it perfect? It wasn't. But they haven't had a whole pile of practice in that environment of doing that. And that's why I'm intrigued to see from Galway going forward, is that going to be their style for all their games through the Connacht chapter? Even in, they'll be red hot favourites against Leitrim. Are they going to set up that way again? Or do they go back and play the more, let's play 15 on 15? And I think that would be a mistake. I think they need to nail down the system because it really worked for them. That win yesterday, and we said it last week, if they went to Castlebar and they turned over Mayo, that puts them in a conversation for mm-hmm. competing for all Ireland's. And there were definitely glimpses of that yesterday. I thought tactically they got it spot on into the wind in the second half. They brought back, brought Shane Walsh back out. Brought what about Como those back out. What about those the ball. Yeah. And to be honest, Shane Walsh didn't have a, a massive game from play at all. But he's kicked three absolutely clutch frees, horrendously difficult frees into that breeze outside around the 50 yard mark. And he nailed all three of them. And that just kept Mayo at bay. Yeah. stretched out the lead that ultimately they needed in the end but I thought if you look at both sides and particularly if you look at the Armand-Donegal game a very similar trend the teams whose big players stood up won those games Paul Conroy Damien Comer and Walsh and Glimpses Johnny Heaney as well to be fair had massive games yeah. for Galway and on the other side Ruan such a talented player just did not didn't go from carried on the, the kind of disappointing league final. Killian, it was always going to be a gas for Killian to come out and score four or five points for play. Um, was it Dunne who put, well. was it Dunne who put in the well, wrong who was good in the first half, but then he just didn't get into it in the second half. And again, that's kind of the defensive system that Galway had. But well, Ryan, I don't know who went in. He went inside from the start, didn't he? Did they have, yeah, they had, yeah, yeah he Killian. played in and Killian played out for the whole match, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was hard to kind of see what, where they were matching up because they didn't have enough bodies up there. It's like they were passing around outside the 45, weren't they? For And Galway were just looking at them. But that's the thing, James. When you're facing a set defence like that, the kick pass isn't necessarily on, really, unless it's a really fast transition. You've turned Galway over, which they didn't. It's about pace and punching holes in the defence. Yeah. And Mayo, to be fair to them, when you have a fully fit Oshin Mullen, when you have a, maybe, I don't like saying it, a younger Lee Keegan, or you have Paddy Durkin, who's one of the best at it, and a long-range point scorer. And Mayo didn't really have any of those yesterday. And you could tell. Now, even if they were there, I think Galway still would have set up the same way, but that just amplified the setup that, that Galway had. And they managed the game really, really well. Even though Mayo had their purple patch at the end of the first half, Galway came out in the second half, totally shut them down. Yes, Mayo shoot and let them down and allowed Galway to do that, but they got key scores. Conroy really came to the fore. He was a bit ropey in his own shooting in the first but half. But he was, he was one from five before yeah. he got into it in the second half. But he kept going and shoulders the wheel and Comer and Walsh were running the ball from deep. Killian McDay comes on, game's opening up. He's got pace, comes on and gets a great He's score. He's got a great score, yeah. I, I thought Galway, Parrock Joyce, Keen O'Neill, John Dibley, these guys, it was literally everything they touched yesterday turned to gold, really. And that's that's what we, we felt Galway would need to win this game. Everything would need to go right. Mayo would have to be a little bit off. And really, that's how it transpired. But I don't think Mayo can have complaints about it. It's, they can't say, oh, we had a bad day in front of the post because, unfortunately, a lot of Mayo's biggest games, they have bad days in front of the post. That's not a once-off. Well, looking through the league scores, they, they hit nine against Tyrone. They got... 11 scores, 13 scores, 14, 15. Never, never more than 15, apart from the final game against Galera when they put up 220. So, like, their scoring rate has never been addressed, really, has it? Mm. You Can see, a lot, of managers, a lot of managers kind of take it as if, oh, that'll come. When we get sharper, mm. that'll come. But it doesn't. Like, it takes work to do it. But just, uh, you mentioned um, Conroy, Petty. Like, to give a shout out to him, because I remember Eamon in the commentary was like, he needs to change it up here. He's forcing kicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I and listened to it. I was thinking, he needs to keep kicking because if he doesn't keep kicking, no one's going to kick. You know, he, they rely on him. And in fairness to him, he took the responsibility on. He kept at it. And like he kicked another wide in the second half and he still kept going and chipped in with two or three in the second half. I just thought that was... You know what, Jimmy? There's days when your shooting's off and you, you might hesitate. I've missed two yeah. or three and you're thinking... But, yeah. I might just pop this one off, but he kept going. He did. And you know what you're just seeing from Galway yesterday, more so than anything like and it was blunt, but there were just serious balls from Galway yesterday. And it's yeah. a question mark that's over them. I have to say, when, when we would have played Galway, even Kevin Walsh's team when uh when they had a run in 2018, we never feared them. I have to say we 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 felt we would we'll get the better of them. That's a, a question mark that we put to them, particularly last year's Connacht final where they, they, they kind of folded in the second half. You look at Shane Walsh, kind of on the periphery of the game, stands up and nails those frees. Comer, all day, to be fair to him, out winning kickouts, running the ball, kicking scores, massive plays at big moments. Conroy, things probably, like I say, the shooting boots are a little bit off, but he's still kicking on and ends up nailing a couple of scores later on. Sean Kelly, in Aidan O'Shea's face, just, there was an edge of Galway yesterday that we, like I say, we, these are things we hadn't been seeing before and we felt if they were going to make the next step, win this game and 
be serious about what they're doing. They needed that little bit of steel. They needed that little bit of... Well, they, they, you want to be horrible to play against. And there's no doubt if you were the Mayo forwards yesterday, you're thinking that was a tough day at the office against. Yes, our shooting boots weren't on, but Galway put us under the cosh. And it was a brilliant side to see from Galway. And it's something we haven't seen enough of them. It is something we have not seen enough of them over the last two, three, Jesus, like, like more than that, 10 years. Yeah. But if they're going to be successful, they need to show that going forward again. But it was a massive, you cannot underestimate how the momentum they will get from that victory yesterday. I'm going to come back to Galway in a minute, but you mentioned giving credit to Paul Connery for persevering with a shooting there, James. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't want to hammer or you know, uh, give stick to a, a single particular player because Aidan Orm is a player that Mayo have huge hopes for. A lot of people will turn around and say, fair play for taking that shot on. And in many ways, in many ways, Mayo have been crying out for players who aren't afraid to shoot. But in that moment, you're talking Ooh. probably 20 seconds to go. Paddy, I don't know how much of a percentage shot you would put on that, but it, there was two goalway players bearing down on him. Not high. My question would be, should A, like, we look at Monaghan, right, and how they found their clutch shooters the last couple of years when they've needed them in the last minute. Did Mayo have a, a set-piece play there in the last minute chasing that? Should Orm have been sent down the line? Because he had no other option, really. No. Am I it, being generous? Am I, I being think, too generous? No. Look, he shouldn't have taken the shot on because it's too important to kick to put... It's a 50-50 shot he's taken on and it's too Not important. even 50-50, Jimmy. Less. Yeah, it's probably even less than that. But he—he—he's—it's—it's it's a hopeful, hopeful effort is the best way to put it. Like you know, he, he shouldn't be taking it on. But I suppose we're not there. Like, did he fancy? Did he fancy someone else taking on the shot if they recycled it? I don't know what's going through his head. But I suppose you could say, look, he showed—he took the responsibility on and took the shot. But like, Jimmy, there's no way he should. You're in that male full forward line yesterday. You, main man. That shot happens. What are you saying? What are you like in the dressing room after that match? Are you saying fair play to for taking that shot on? No, you'd go, you'd, you'd be yes. absolutely incensed, 100%. But I, I, I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. He obviously backs himself with the left there. And he's, he's saying that I'm the best man to take this shot rather than put it back across the goal. Like It's, it's the wrong decision, but is that what he's thinking? Do you know, I it was it was the wrong decision. There's no well, doubt. Think, look, it's inexperience, and that's like I said, these things happen with, with younger players. I was sitting watching it. I'm not a Mayo fan, but I was raging <laughs> looking at it. I think Mayo had given themselves, dragged themselves out of the ashes as only Mayo can do to give themselves a chance. They reel off five points. In a row to get themselves out of nowhere after, like I say, a diabolical 31 minutes of that second half. And all of a sudden, they win another kick out and Galway are under the cosh. The crowd is going ape. And this is Mayo. This is peak Mayo. Crowd's involved. Everyone's involved. And you're just thinking, if I'm, if I'm Killian, if I'm Jason Doherty, Kevin McLaughlin's on the pitch at that point, I think you've... you've you're not going to be happy with that shot. And yeah, the other side, they all fair play for taking it on and showing responsibility and stuff. At that, that, that at this level, at that stage of the championship, five minutes into injury time. Does I, I don't think it's, I don't give credit for bravery there. I'm, I'm sorry. I, if I'm in that dressing room, I'm thinking at this level. Is, but you know what it does prove? You can't afford to do that. 
you can't can. afford to do that. But I, I, and I, I would have suspected that that was going to be your analysis of that. And I, I, I think you're, I'm the same thing. And I think you're actually spot on the money there. My question well, is, but you, you know is it coached? Because like, you had it bred into you. Like, is that coached enough from Mayo? Like, clearly, Monaghan, they did it three times, I think, in the last four years, and they needed a score. They found McManus from McCarran. They found them. Yeah. They found them in the last minute. And I know there's a bit of chaos going on there. They've just come back from six down. They're a point away. There's that's you can't let that influence you. So that's what happens? That, what happens this, if this is the inexperienced? Does we, Paul Mannion take we that went shot? Through this. We had moments like this where it didn't go for us as well, but we would have had you're you're trying not to let the crowd influence you. That that the play in front of you, no matter what has just happened, if you've rolled off five points in a row and you've given yourself a chance, if the crowd are going mental. You still work the ball to the best shooters. And you, every team knows their shooters. Every team knows them. And every team knows the areas that they're There's, shooting. Their sweet spots. Like, like Aiden Orr was a forward. And he's a good player, obviously. And he's a young player. And he could go on to have a great career. But that is an unbelievably difficult position he's shooting from. Even if that's Killian O'Connor, I'm thinking, you're not shooting from out there. You've got to work that ball closer. You've got to engineer a free or get the ball to a more established shooter, but just in a better position as well. He's nearly on the sideline. And he's got you two know, defenders just, diving at him. Yeah, he's on the run. It's a difficult shot. Him as an inexperienced player, he's only come into the game, hasn't really been on the ball. You've other guys there who are right in the heat of it that you're trying to get the ball. But I'll give you an example of this where it didn't go for us. In the All-Ireland, the 19, Conley came on in the draw match. And we were chasing, and I think we had six shots down the stretch. And I remember Conley had one with the outside of his right foot from 50 yards out. And every one of us was thinking, we don't take that shot. And he knew that, and we knew it, and we were not happy about it. And we, had, we would have said that. It was like, yes, it's Thermone, he's brilliant, and all that stuff. But that is such a low percentage shot. Even though we know you can do it. And if you give Aiden Arm 10 balls there, he might kick two or three of them. But that's not a high enough percentage at that moment of the game. We got away with it. We get a play and Dino, we get the ball to Dino, cuts inside. That's a 10 out of 10 shot. Nine away. Five at least. And that's the type of thing, that's experience, that's players understanding the situation, not allowing the external stuff, the crowd and Coldrick and everything else that's going on get in the way. And that's where, that's Aiden Norm. He'll be sitting there yesterday evening if the Mayo players would be sitting there going, did we manage that play as best as we can? And they definitely didn't. And ultimately, you think, if it goes to extra time and they've reeled off six scores in a row to get it there, their tails are up. But that doesn't go over. It's not the only reason. It's not the reason Mayo lost, but it's, it's a moment where you're thinking, that goes wide. Galway win the game. And look at their momentum now. Look yeah. at where the two teams are now oh, yeah. going into the next couple of weeks. It's yeah. it could be a transformative victory for Park Joyce and that Galway team, and that was just a key moment where it just didn't was wasn't managed well. Last one on this, James. When I think of clutch carry shots over the last decade or so, the one that comes to mind is I think a Munster final, seventy third minute. Kieran Donny's on the edge of the square, his paws are in the air, calling for the ball. James O'Donoghue's buzzing around, reigning footballer of the year. Colin Cooper is on the pitch, and cornerback Fionn's Fitzgerald saunters up the field and unleashes an outside of the right football over the bar and equalises the game. <laughs> Was Fionn Fitz going for that? 
I, I, I'd have to put him on a lie detector. To, like he says he meant it. He has never in his life kicked that shot. This was this must have been on the 45 yard line out to the right. Yeah. He hits an outside of the right into Donaghy and it drops over. Okay. So I think he's putting it in open for free. I, he, he's had a rush of blood. He's, 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 had, an arm. he's had an arm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in fairness to, to arm the last day, right? Mm. I think that it shows maybe that there isn't that leadership up front for, for male that they, they didn't have that fear of not the fear, but he kind of just risked it rather than knowing this isn't what we do, do you know? And maybe that's because Killian O'Connor hasn't been around. He's probably only played with him for two or three weeks in training, possibly. Um, you know, Ryan O'Donnell, who was on the field, is there any other real kickers in that Mayo forward unit that you'd say, right, have to get Kevin him? McLaughlin would be not for there as well. Yeah, He's McLaughlin, only on himself. he would have taken yeah. the shot, but... He kicked the great score before on his, on his right. But I think even, like, I know, Paddy, you were, uh, you loved the inside of the boot on the wrong side. Like, that is the wrong side for Omer to be even shooting on, and that as well. Uh, like, okay. it needed to be worked across the pitch. I, I, I don't know, we're not trying to be harsh. Aiden Arms is a young player. Like, it, it's more just the air, the area of the pitch alone that he's shooting. It's just such a low percentage. Yeah. It's yeah, Aiden yeah, yeah, or yeah. whoever it is. It's just, it, it's, Mayor are looking at that, and it's not just, like I say, they have 16 from 31 shots. That's the problem. It's not being clinical enough. Maddie Rowan, who's such a massive player, has zero from four. And it's just those failings. Even though Mayo did not play well yesterday, and Galway got so much right, if they are just a little bit, like you're operating around the 50% mark of fists, yeah. you get that up to 60, 65, and they win the game. It's one point game. So it's just, it's a frustrating one where you see the reaction of Mayo supporters. They're so passionate around it. It was in McHale Park. It's a big rivalry. And it kind of launches, the, whoever wins that kind of launches the season for them. And... The impressive thing for Galway, the, the turnaround they managed in the three weeks was, was a massive success story for the coaching team and the players, the credit for the players to, to put that work and that is not an easy game, game plan to implement and they did it and they went in to McHale Park, the big championship game and got a massive win. For Mayo, their three weeks after a really disappointing end to the league, there wasn't enough improvement. There. Yes, they got a couple of players back but they were still a bit short and, and ultimately, I think it came down to those that the key players for Galway probably outperformed the key players for Mayo. Yeah. Um, Were you impressed with question. Galway's? Like we questioned them. You mentioned earlier, we questioned them last year, their collapse in the second half. Were you impressed with how they stifled the game, slowed it down? There was players taking their time on the ground, lying down. Uh, there was definitely a couple of incidents that were definite head injuries. And I'm pretty sure there was a moment or two that were questionable. If Kojic was waving away, the play to, to go on, but they definitely killed the momentum in that game. They did. Are you saying to me? I'm a, well, I'm asking both of you, open-ended. Like, were you impressed with how Galway killed the game? I was. I was. And if you analyse Mayo, any big result they've had, they come in this big burst of momentum, just like they did at the end of the game. Yeah, they yeah. get energy from everywhere. The crowd, they turn the ref, they're all, they're all shouting and roaring. They just have this enthusiasm for five or ten minutes at a time and if they have two or three of those they could beat you but what what Galway did was anytime Mayo got any bit of a foothold in the game they'd have an injury or they'd take all day over free like I was just I was totting them up for head injuries it must have been a record 
Conroy, Walsh, Comer, Heaney, and Patrick Kelly. Like you're looking at probably a minute apiece there. And as it's going down the stretch, there was, you know, there was times where Mayo kind of lost that, lost that edge because the game was slowed down. And but, it was over but, cards as well. But, but Jimmy, isn't this a thing that you don't associate that with Galway in the past? And whether you like it or not, there's a, there's a street smarts required to win the biggest championship games. And yeah. Galway, that, you just saw things from Galway that you just haven't seen from them before. The defensive setup, the attitude, their tackling, their response to Mayo coming up, managing the game, all of that type of stuff. And you can get people giving out about this and I don't care. If you're part of Joyce and you're those Galway players, you needed to show a bit of steel to win that game, particularly after last year's Connacht final, where that was a bad way to lose that game. And they were pretty hammered across the board for how they lost that game. They came in into the white hot heat in Castle Bar, taking on, they were underdogs against that Mayo team. And their setup, their attitude, their game management, everything from Galway, they deserve massive credit for that. Massive okay. credit. And they, they were deserved winners. Yes, Mayo had issues and they left a lot of scores behind. But you have to say, Galway probably deserved that in the balance. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting to see Galway stand up and come through that. And it remains to be seen where they can get that. I would say that Roscommon are licking their lips on the other side of the draw. They've got yeah. Sligo next. They go away of Leitrim next, so we'll see what happens there. Let's move on, lads, to Bally Buffet. Paddy Andrews, for as long as we've been doing this pod, we've started <laughs> off the year giving Donegal credit and they've let us down, right? But this year, Ryan McHugh is man of the match against Armagh. Owen Bon Gallagher has a massive game. Michael Murphy kicks six points. Paddy McBurty scores one, two. And Michael Langan kicks three points. Jason McGee bossed the middle of the field. They're first big half. players. First half, they're big players stood up for them this week. Did he go off with a blister? He definitely had a blister because his feet were bleeding when he came off, but I'm not sure if he went off with a blister. Um, Donegal completely and utterly won the tactical battle yesterday. And Declan Bonner and his team deserve massive credit for that. There were some things I'm looking at in that game and they're thinking, Ryan McHugh was unbelievably influential, but Armad didn't tag him. And I'm thinking, if you're going into that game, you're going, so many teams have had joy shutting down Ryan McHugh by literally just dogging him. And that's it. And Armad decided not to do that. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a, a brave call. See how that pans out. And he has a really influential game. Not on the scorecard, but just in carrying the ball, punching holes, managing the game for them. The kickouts were a disaster. In, in the nicest way. But they kind of got away with that. They, they kind of got away. They were only three points down at halftime despite being absolutely eviscerated on Ethan Rafferty's kickouts. And he got up one eight of Rafferty's first 13. Yeah, and McGee, McGee and Hugh McFadden, McGee probably more so, were absolutely dominant around the middle. And the same thing we touched on earlier in the pod, just the fit, scoring efficiency. Galway, or Donegal, like Langan has a couple of misses, McBride has a couple of misses, and you're just thinking, they should be out of sight here. With the mm. possession they have, our man literally cannot get up the pitch. But they kind of got away with it. And then you're thinking, right, second half, our man surely going to come out and, and fly into it. They have that 10-minute burst at the start of the second half and just cannot make it count on the scoreboard. And then Donegal go up. And McBrady's goal. McBrady is like, 
he does this. He did the same last year against Derry with Chrissy McKay. McGrady hardly touched the ball for the first 32 minutes. And then he gets a massive 1-1 in the second half. Big plays. And, and that ultimately wins in the game. Murphy was just Murphy. Just yeah, some great scores. Up and down the middle of the pitch, making sure nothing stupid happens. It's such an invaluable thing to have. When he has the ball, the right decision is going to be made. Langan goes inside in the second half. He has an absolute nailed-on goal chance. And I'm thinking, <coughs> of all players, this fella's going to bury it. Skies it over the bar, but he gets three points. McGee obviously had a massive game. I, I know McHugh got man of the match. I probably would have been looking at... I thought Owen Bond Gallagher was excellent. Excellent. And for, like, we're talk, talking about the challenges Mayo faced trying to break down Galway's blanket defence. He was the outball. Armagh yeah. bringing lads back and you need that raw pace. That, that's what McHugh has, what Bond Gallagher has. And a big thing as well, kind of went under the radar amongst everyone. Brendan McCall. He's had a really... He's been picking up Marquee forward throughout the National League and he picked up uh, Reno O'Neill yesterday. Hands down. Hands down. Won that battle. And that's a massive thing. I remember if we were playing big teams and you detailed Michael Fitzsimons or Philly McMahon or something to take out the opposition's key player. That's a massive thing for a team. It gives the whole team a lift. And you've seen Reno O'Neill was probably getting frustrated and he starts trying to burst by McCall and McCall was standing him up. And then Reno O'Neill maybe throws the leg, trying to force things, trying to kick scores. They're going wide. That just compounds everything more and more and more. But I thought McCall didn't get a, a lot of credit kind of the coverage and stuff like that, but he the didn't. job he but did was massive. He, he's had an excellent, an excellent league. E- excellent season. Patton's kickouts. If you yeah. look at what Armada do in the second half, they push up on Patton's kickouts, but he gets them all off short. And that's the big issue I would have with Armada in the first half that... Yes, Donegal are going 4-4-4. They've got basically 12 players inside our mass 65. There's a breeze there. Somebody has to come short. Like, you, maybe one in every five or six. There's just absolutely nothing on, so Rafferty has to bang it long. He banged every one of them long. And every one of them underneath the stand. And you're just thinking, somebody has to get free. That's inexperience. Well, clearly, that is clearly. Donegal's more experience. Like, you are pushing up on Patton, and Patton just chips them out. Once you have possession, happy days. But yeah. Armagh just lost that that tactical piece there. Terrible. Eddie, do you want the kick out? Say if, say if they've pushed up, right? They've pushed up 4-4-4. Four, 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 yeah. And you get possession. the ball. You get the possession. ball from a short kick out, top of the D. And if the other team has decided that they're just going to attack the ball at that minute then. Like you're, you could be in trouble. Like you could be turning Armagh, over Armagh were snaring them. It looked like Armagh were letting them do it. You got James. You got to, like, we... You do, possession, you do, you do. You got both of them in the locker. You got to be able to win your long one as well, just to take a bit of heat every so often. Do you know, but, they, but didn't, just, they didn't, they didn't, the, they didn't the come in behind, any long one. The high behind from yeah, BBC covers was very good. You can kind of see it. Like, there wasn't enough movement. There's a, you need to have a go-to kicker. The, when the pressure is on, if this is the last play, or we, we literally, we need possession. And with our mind, look at Jerry O'Gorn's first score. They keep the ball for about three minutes into the yeah. bleed. That's not, maybe not the most exciting thing to watch, but it was effective. And if you're taking your plane against a massive wind, just manage the game. Manage the game. Chip the ball to a cornerback. And yes, you're going to be under pressure, but you keep the ball. Keep the ball for two or three minutes. Possession was massively important there. And the idea of just, I'm going to just keep lashing this one out long to McGee and McFadden and Murphy around the middle. 
But Rafferty... They nearly got away. They actually did get away with it. The fact yeah. that they were only three points down, but it was just... But it was a systems failure and it was like, not good. Bloody Donegal had 19 shots in that first half and they had nine scores. Like yeah. they absolutely left Armagh in it. And you mentioned earlier on, first 10 minutes of that second half, Armagh, like that blitz from Armagh, it was Mayo-esque. Seven shots, zero scores. Yeah. Donegal who... Very Mayo-esque. Donegal who had barely touched the ball, two points in that spell and like Armagh did not score until Stefan Campbell who came off the bench scores a brilliant individual point on nearly 50 minutes they just it, it was just complete like I suppose when that momentum when you have that push and all that energy is put into it and you get no return I suppose the life just gets sucked out of you it's deflating yeah, brain, just, yeah. just on Armagh's the goalkeeper situation like Ethan Rafferty was brought in and as we all know Rafferty's an outfielder like midfielder yeah. half forward he was brought in around the Mayo game I think around round four around five I just thought that was an experiment to have a backup. But McGinney has persisted with him and Blaine Hughes has been left out. I just wonder, did Donegal, James, look at that and say, this is a weak spot that we are targeting this weekend? I think they probably did. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a weak spot personally, but okay. if you are not, if you don't have four or five years experience as a goalie, like, I mean, you're, it's a lonely spot inside there in the heat of a championship match. Away... Do you know to to Donegal, so when I saw when phrase, I saw the, yeah like when when I saw the the behind the goal um Just, the yeah. of how much of an exaggerated press Donegal did like that would be tough to get out for a top goalie. Never mind a, like a part time goalie you could nearly call call Rafferty. <laughs> So I think that he, he was thrown into the fire there. It just I wouldn't say it backfired, but would they have had maybe more joy, you know, with with their regular goalie? It's hard to know. It's it's impossible to call, really. But yeah, it de- it but, definitely didn't help them. But they got as you said, they did get away with it. But but isn't this the thing, though, James? You're talking about. You just got a sense if you were watching that game, Donegal were a far more experienced team. Yeah, that's what it looked like. The, the decisions they made, their, their on-ball decisions. How they press the kickouts, how they defend it. It was just yeah. smarter, more experienced than our man. And, and you're coming down to it and you're going, you have to expect that. If you're playing against the big breeze, there's going to be periods in a game, all the top teams where they are coming after your kickout. You have to be prepared for that. And you have to have some in the locker. You cannot, the days of just, I'm going to put this out long to the middle, that is not a solution to that problem. You need to have a set play. Even if we're going to chip it at a cornerback, whatever it is, when we need possession, we yeah. simply just have to get it. This is our default. And it just didn't look like our man had, maybe they had it and it just it went out the window and the heat of battle, or maybe they didn't have it at all. Rafferty's kind of like say inexperienced, but they got away with it to an extent, but it just set the tone. They were on the back foot for the entire game off the back of that. Donegal get the three-point lead, even though there's a, they're playing into the breeze in the second half. That was a nice lead they had. And then once McGrady gets the goal on 46, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was curtains really, even at that stage. In fairness to McGrady, he went for the jugular there to win. Yeah, that was a brilliant goal. But the first, the first four scores, three of them were goal chances in the match. First one, Owen Barkley, fists over the bar. I thought that was allowed, James. There's men Which in front one? of him. Own Bon There's men in front allowed. of him. I, I thought that should be allowed. I thought James O'Donnell should allow that one. There's men in front of him. But Jerry O'Burns yes. does have a man inside him. That's a goal That's chance. That's a goal chance. Massive that goal is, chance. That is a massive goal chance. Got to pass that. Like, that would be like six points. 
if they got a goal there. I, if the highlight run was a Langan's one after and Jamie Brennan's running in, I actually think that's a really difficult pass because the, the Armada defender, I think it's, um, what's the cornerback, Morgan? Morgan. Is dropping back. It would have been a really difficult pass to get it over him and Rafferty's probably going to come out. Jamie Brennan probably would have been absolutely polar. So I think that's probably a point. Bon Gallagher, probably a goal chance, but Charlie okay. Hogs one. He does brilliant to get through and he's the guy in so like and I, I, like a goal at that stage into that breeze uh, in a, in a tight game like that. It's a massive chance. But they should have been watching. Should have been watching Michael O'Leish. Nine goals in that game on the goal chances, right? And I don't know what way I'm going to phrase this one. Started the second half, set piece move. Aidan Nugent played the brilliant ball in. Rian O'Neill makes an unbelievable catch, right? Yeah. I thought he should flick it, you know. But right? the move yeah, that's in my head is last year against Monaghan. He's so close to goal. So do you remember last year against Monaghan? Rian O'Neill plays the outside of the right boot ball. Connor Turbot dives and flicks it by yeah. Rory Began. It was a crazy flick. Like Began should have cleaned them out of it. You'd have expected him to. You think O'Neill should have flicked that? Yeah, but I I, it was Jerry O'Burns inside with him, so wasn't close. it? Yeah. It was Jerry O'Gan with him. If he gives him a shot to flick it, he probably would have. Do you know, a little bit of communication there or else he got a shot to catch it. He might have got a shot to catch it, but yeah. once you catch it in there, you're getting absolutely swallowed up. You're hardly telling them you have time there, yeah. Flick, that's all you needed. Flick it, yeah. I just thought at the time seeing it, that the flight of the ball, he kind of, you knew he's going to get it. Donegal, I think, it's, is it McCall? McCall's probably caught under it a bit, but he ends up, he ends up catching it nearly on the line really <laughs> now I know he slips he's as well, in the square he feels it in the square any yeah. sort of contact there and Patton's not he just Patton doesn't have time to react um, and if you if that goal goes in it's leveled it yeah and now you're talking about momentum and Armagh being on top but once you miss one you miss the next one yeah. Grugel misses his mark O'Neill has a monster free which it's he kicks it's off the post and Nugent goes for Nugent goal has the chance and Patton makes a great save and all of a sudden these things You've gone five minutes and you're thinking, how are we still three points down? Yeah, they had a couple We're of big turnovers. A couple of big turnovers. Score. Yeah. And then O'Donnell goes up the other end, just pops one over, and you're just thinking, that is so deflated. You, we've dominated. We've expended so much energy over these first 10 minutes. And we're four points down. We, we haven't had anything to lead at all. Then they go up the pitch, Kaylon Ward creeping up the sidelines, sneaking along, no one near him. Don't mind him out there. Gets in behind. Pops it across to McBrady and that's game set and match. Yeah. Last, like one, that. last one on this. And James, you can jump in because I feel like you want to jump in there, do you? Are you okay? Yeah, no. Go on. What were you going to say? I, I just thought it was interesting Declan Boner's comments after the game when he said, we didn't want to waste two or three weeks appealing and not knowing whether or not the lads would be available when he said that they didn't appeal the two suspensions to McFadden, Ferry and McGee. Not to trot over old ground, but in your experience, like Reno Neal doesn't score is what I'm saying. Could his preparation for yeah. this game have been affected by this in a way? Um, there was talk all, all the, on the build-up. Will he get off? Won't he get off? Nugent gets off at the last minute. We know Macken was out injured. Campbell gets off, but he doesn't start. Could all this I, messing about the appeals process and all of that, could that throw off your preparations? Knowing who you're going to have? Again, I, I could only put myself in his shoes. I think the opposite. If anything... You're out of the game, like the disappointment, you know, Jesus, I'm going to miss the biggest game here. And then you're let off. Like, if anything, you get a huge surge of adrenaline and 
a, a feel good factor off it and it would nearly put you into an even more motivated state, I think. But if you go on the team basis, would they have been playing together in AVB games or would they have changed it up? Would they have left the boys out? Do you know, would they have included them in systems and training and things? It is. It's a messy one. And definitely Donegal came out the better for, for not appealing. But I suppose the players that were suspended for Armagh, you were always going to appeal it. You had to. Yeah. But yeah, it, did, like, it, did, it, did, it did come back to, to haunt them. Jimmy, if Michael Murphy and Paddy McGrady and Ernie's yeah. lads are, are pulled and they're suspended, are you telling me the moral high ground and Donegal are saying, no, no, we won't appeal that one? No, they wouldn't do that. Not a whole. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Yeah, but I like that. You could argue they did have an effect. But the, the main thing I thought about that game, right? For the whole league, we were saying, Armagh playing a serious brand of football. They're kicking the ball, they're catching the yes. ball, they're getting runners off. The only time they did that in the match, I thought, no, this could have been because Donegal were stopping him to do it, was that five Turbot minutes to start the second half. They got one in the first half with Turbot as well, where they turn over Donegal and they, they launched the kick pass. Yeah. Turbot skins McManaman for a score. They're thinking, that's our man. That's yes. what. Give yeah, us more that of that. Great score. And why, why don't why don't we see more of that? Have they have they have they changed their game plan or did they freeze? Well, I think you have to lose more ball. You have to risk more ball in those situations because there's a risk reward. You can't be so safe. Like that game, it was hard to watch, like because you knew what both teams were going to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, Donegal did it better in the end. They got their shots off a bit easier, but I just thought it was so kind of predictable what they were going to do. If Armagh had just thrown a few diagonal balls into Grugan and Reno O'Neill more often. You could even see when the the excitement it caused in the stadium when the ball was put in at the start of the second half. It actually started a kind of a wave of energy just because it was, it was like, something wow. different. It was like, oh, a long ball went in because what we're used to hand passing. I think they just didn't mix it up enough. Well, but a key thing, was James, their, that was their X factor. James, okay. you made that point last week. Donegal knew that. Donegal now, and remember, we would have had a lot against Tyrone during our period. Don't turn the ball over against these guys. If you give away cheap possession, Armagh going to launch the ball in. Really fast counter-attack. And that's why players like Reno, or like uh, Ryan McHugh, Bon Gallagher, Hugh McFadden around the middle, it's not great to watch. But they were not giving the ball away cheaply. They weren't going to try and force kick passes. They weren't going to carry the ball into contact because they knew if, we turn, if Armagh turn us over here, mm-hmm. we are under pressure at the back. And the couple of times they did in the first half, they kicked balls in, and it was Turbot who was deepest. Didn't really get Reno Neal on it. But it was causing, it was very dangerous yes. for Donegal. But you said it last week, they, they would have known that. That's preparation, that's experience. What do our ma want us to do? So we're definitely not going to fall into that trap. And you yeah. can see it in their slow, methodical build-up. You're right, it's not great to watch. But it was totally effective and it nullified our ma's attacking game plan. And I'm sure they would have liked to have kicked the ball in more and more and more, but they just weren't allowed to by the setup of Donegal and how they just protected themselves against turnovers. Um, and that's just experience. And that's players, that's what Ryan McHugh and these guys are good at. And they just, they, I feel they outsmarted their man all over the pitch. And they deserve massive credit for it because yeah, it's one of the most complete performances in the championship we've seen from Donegal in a number of years. In a number of years. And it's opened up for them now. They haven't watched Calvin Antrim on Saturday. To all our Calvin friends, I'd be 
I'm, I'm back in Donegal for that one. <laughs> my, my predictions don't count for much after last weekend. But don't I'm, put I'm, your I'm, kiss of death on him. Gavin will definitely win it if you make it. Max are gonna beat the doves this weekend. I don't I don't know whether I don't know whether it's it's matching raising their level to match other teams or dragging teams down to their level. But Cavan football have proven over the last couple of years that they can pull that off. So I don't know, James. We're just looking you... for a few free points in the boar's head there. Look at him. Yeah. Yes, you. I'll be up soon. Um, Paddy, I don't know. Do you want to join James on the Donegal train for Ulster? Obviously, your contenders are out. You're not. You, you can wait until after the weekend if you want. No, to no. I, I, I felt this side of the draw was the easier one, um, and I felt whoever came out of Ballybuffet would, would I would instill as favourites for the Ulster okay. Championship. Um, I think it's a big game on Sunday. Um, it's a bit of an unknown now. If we're going off league form, we're bigging up Armagh and we're bigging up Derry after league form, bigging up Antrim after league form. Like Division four Wexford bet off uh, Yeah. Um, we know Rory Gallagher. We know Derry were very, 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 very unlucky not to beat Donegal and Bally Buffet last year. And they didn't get a second chance just the way that championship. They will be waiting for Tyrone. That's the game of the weekend this weekend, I feel. Um, no disrespect to what's happening in the Leinster, Munster and Connacht Championships. I think the Derry Tyrone game is the most intriguing one. Uh, but I, I would back Donegal in this position now uh, to go forward and, and win the Ulster Championship. We're going to go talking through this weekend's games now, lads. I enjoyed the predictions that we made last week. Can we start with Derry Tyrone? Can we start with what you're both expecting from this game? We obviously saw Tyrone come through the Fermanagh test. There's no word yet at this moment when we're recording whether or not they're going to have Conor McKenna. We all, we've all we spoken in depth about the seven lads that left the panel for various reasons and what impact that may or may not have had. Do you feel that that test, that Fermanagh test, will have been of benefit to Tyrone James? Will they be ready to take on this Derry team that were flying through the spring, up until a late stutter when they missed out on promotion. Yeah, I think that having a game under your belt, no matter who it's against, I think stands to you. It just gives you context in training. I I just love context. It's like we did this round. Remember they got the the goals at the end. It gave Tyrone something to work on. Um, you know they'll tidy up their kickouts. They'll tidy up their shooting. Their their defensive system. It just gives them context. Whereas. Derry are coming in probably a bit colder and after a poor rented league. So to see where you're coming from, Tyrone are definitely coming from a better place. And I don't think Tyrone should appeal to Conor McKenna right card now after seeing what uh, <laughs> what the boys did. But no, I think that I think I think Derry are going to be under pressure. They're going to have to play an outstanding game to beat Tyrone. Because I think Tyrone are just just coming right now. I think they're they're going to get their act together. They're going to they're going to have a big win this weekend. I think against Derry, and they're going to have they're going to have a strong year. Do you know they've they've come out the other side of probably getting a bit of stick, getting question marks about them. Lost a few players. It just all feeds into kind of a siege mentality. If they if they go at it properly, that siege mentality could be could be worth it a lot to them. I fancy them this weekend definitely. What are you feeling, Paddy? Looking forward to. We say Con Patrick has kind of emerged as one of the top midfielders in the country. His mm-hmm. battle with Connor Glass might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Chris McCaig, I'll imagine, will drift across and pick up our friend Darren McCurry. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a great battle. And you're looking at Shane McGuigan. Probably Hamsey's going to go and pick him up. So there's some big battles there. 
Um, it's a big game. As we said last week, it was a massive game for Joyce and Galway. The cycle of that team, that he'd been in there three years and they needed a big win. They needed something tangible from that time and they got it. Rory Gallagher's the same. I feel that they've, big, they've done really well in the National League. They've got the promotions. They narrowly miss out on getting into Division 1 this year. But they need a big championship. And we, we were speaking with Rory last year in the off-season and how devastated they were to lose that game to Donegal. The way they lost it, felt they were nearly left it behind them. They have been gunning for this game like you would not believe. I'm expecting a massive performance from them. Massive, massive performance from them. Will it be enough to topple Tyrone? <coughs> Probably not, I must say, but there's some fascinating battles there between are, some of those players. Are you surprised that Tyrone are one to three on? It's three to one. They're your three to one. You get yeah, on to three to one. Are you surprised? Would you, would you say it's tighter I don't think than that? I'd say it's tighter than that now. I would have thought. Particularly, we don't know. Like, Peter Hart, if he was missing in this game, if McKenna's missing, it makes a hell of a lot more of a difference now in this game than it did in Enniskillen a couple of weeks back. Um, Maddie Donnelly, these type of players. I expect Tyrone to win it, but it, this is not a massive shock if Derry do manage to turn them over. I, 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 think, it, I think this will probably be a better game than the Donegal Armagh game. I just think with what we saw, we saw Donegal emerging now as we, we've spoken about this being one of the most open All-Ireland Championships yep. that we've seen in about 10, 11 years. Donegal or Galway have now put themselves in the shop window by beating Mayo. Donegal have proven themselves when they've let us down over the years. If they proved themselves in one game. They have. Or, or that's True. what I'd say about that. It was a big win and it was impressive. But, but they're bombed, they're bombed into the qualifiers. The they lose that game. They're in the qualifiers and a difficult qualifier campaign this year. I think if Donegal lose that game, we are not considering Donegal contenders this year at all for the All-Ireland. I don't think yeah. they're getting through the qualifiers. But if Derry get by the All-Ireland champions this weekend, it just complete, this just opens up the All-Ireland championship either more. Because we know from speaking to Rory Gallagher, he wants an Ulster title with Derry. He oh, thinks yeah. he has an Ulster title in his hands here. But that, like, you've Monaghan waiting in the back. Well, Monaghan played down on Saturday night, but I'm expecting, I think they were in coppers again on Saturday night, were they? Let it not be forgotten that I tip my. I thought I heard. I thought I heard rumors down in Cassidy's there. Hitman's after walking out. No. After what's up? Right. Let me I'm get back to Monaghan to win that one. So. Let me get your predictions. All right, Tyrone Derry. Call it. Keep it quick. Tyrone. Tyrone. Okay. Tyrone across the. I'm back in Derry. Okay. Sligo Roscommon. Rossies. Yeah, Roscommon all day. The Rossies. The Midlands El Clasico, Westmead, Longford. Longford won this fixture in the league. Westmead. Westmead, Westmead are one to three on. It's very hard to call. Westmead at home. Westmead are at home. Yeah. Jimmy, is, you know what to do, James. <laughs> I do like a home team. And in fairness, Mullingar, Savage Field. My favourite away venue, I reckon. Cusick Park, isn't it? Cusick Park. I didn't. Yeah. I did I said. I said that Munster have the strongest grounds, but they're all. No, that, that, if I had Cusick Park as well. Oh, I thought you meant Cusick Park and Clare when you said that was your favorite ground. You're obsessed with Clare. You've completely changed. Like you wore me, then now you're just Clare. No matter what I say, it's just all Clare, Clare, Clare. 
<laughs> I yeah, I did say Cusack Park was a quality field. Okay. But I think I said Westmead was mm. my favourite away ground. All right, I'll go listen back. So you're, well, you're going Westmead on this one, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they're excellent at home. They, yeah. I think they'll, I think they'll be very strong. Westmead across the board. Dublin Wexford. Dublin are one to one hundred on here. Wexford. <laughs> the dubs. I'll back them. I tell them to be back him. Who do they have if they win? Uh, they're louder on that side. Oh no, is it an open draw? I, th- I don't think the draws been made for that yet. I think I don't think the lens to draw. I think What's it's that? I think it's open. That'll be the end of the row for Dubs then to get me like. Well, me one win the championship. Me to play in Wicklow. Me to struggle against Wicklow over the last couple of years, a couple of times. I think the last time they played, Jordan Morris scored two three. They that, that's that game is in Navin. In Navin, so we're going with home advantage. Me'd want to be winning that game. Mm. Like a fair play to Wicklow. What a massive win and. Billy Sheen and Leash in the doldrums now after the International League and losing that game in Ockram, but Maid have to win that game. Yeah. Have to. No gimme though. No, it's, not. it's no gimme. Especially when they're coming in cold. So that's Mead Wicklow. I think we're going three Meads across the board. Kildare Loud yeah. on Sunday. It's in Kildare. Tullamore. Kildare. Yeah, we're going Kildare, James, right? Kildare, yeah. I am looking forward to seeing Kildare, yeah. Now, the, the tightest game possibly of the weekend is Clare and Limerick. In Cusick Park to go back to Clare. Um, Limerick had a very good league campaign up, up until the league final. It's a tight one, like mm. both division two now. Where's it on? Do you say? It's in Cusick. I'm going to it Saturday night in Clare. Jimmy, go on. You you know more. Clare, Clare will win. Clare, especially at home. Well, like Clare actually, Clare an excellent side. Yeah, yeah. Limerick are coming, hundred percent, and Division two next year. Will bring them on leaps and bounds. So are we going three Clares, Paddy? I'm wearing my Clare jersey. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I go with Clare. Yeah. And Waterford Tipperary. Tip. Tim Fratter Field. Waterford yep. always make it tough. Tip. We going tip, tip, tip. You're not going to go home advantage. You made There's a mistake. A couple last week. of big results in Tip in this championship, I think. Okay. Okay. All right. So you going? Even tip though they, yeah. That, we, that Division Four final was wasn't their best day. Even though we. No. We kind of hyped up Kevin that time, mm. and Tip were probably should have won it with the, the dislow goal at the end. They, they, they could have won, won it. I don't know if they, they should have won, won it. But you you say have. there's not much between them. No, it's close. No. no, so you know Tip might be a bit better than. So Tip will play Claire in the Monster semi final. If Claire win, yeah, and if Tip win that game, Tip will not be in the Talchin Cup, even though they're in Division Four because they'll have got to the Monster final. So Tip are the only team. That can actually Waterford can play Talton Cup, but if Tip get to the to the Munster final, Waterford will be the only Munster team in the Talton Cup. So they're the nine games this weekend. They're your predictions. Headline the headline prediction is Paddy Andrews tipping Wexford to beat Dublin. That's going to be all <laughs> over. The headline is going to be this week. It's going to be on some website this week. Paddy, you're going to get me in trouble here. Like I'm only joking. Come on, do you want to? You you, you're obviously Dubs. Are we going to give us a Dublin are going to beat Wexford? Yes. Okay, all right. Two little give us bits. A score range. Give us a score. A win range. What is this? We don't do win ranges from the other games. <laughs> We'd be interested to hear what, what you... How, the how confident? trying to turn the screw <laughs> how, co- how confident are you? How confident is the Wolf? What are the odds? One to a hundred. Yeah. I'd go with that. What's the handicap? Uh, Look at this. They're trying to drag the doves into something here. Like. <laughs> Joke. Yeah. Kerry man and the maid man. Like. 13 points. Be 13 points of handicap. 13. But Ben Brosnan scored 1-9 at the weekend. If Ben Brosnan scores 1-9 this weekend... Wexford might have a chance. What age is Ben Brosnan? 48. 
Rambos has played 20 years probably I'd say has he? He's put in some stint for that county anyway I'll tell you that yeah. much I'm not sure how long it is uh, It'll be a big crowd Saturday yeah. night down there it's on the telly box um, yeah. I'm Dublin kind of got on the radar a lot of chat obviously after the relegation to Monaghan um, on the last day four, nearly five weeks ago now like I said, the big thing Dublin supporters are looking is Conor Callaghan back is James McCarthy back is and just how, what are we saying? The, the defensive side of things was a little bit suspect towards the end of the National League. So looking at it, tidy those things up. Um, they've had, like I say, a month to kind of look at things. Dublin get things right, lads. Now, biased and all that stuff, they are in the mix. They need to get the things right, but we'll get a glimpse on Saturday and see where they're at. I expect them to win the game comfortably, but there are certain things that they'll be looking to get out of this performance. And definitely... The king back on the square will be a massive plus for them. The king back on the square. Well, the wolf is certainly back. The dubs haven't been mentioned in about four weeks. It's great to have you back, Mm. Paddy. Thank you. Right. A couple of last couple of bits. We're going to get to our fantasy football league in a few minutes because we've had a very interesting opening weekend on the pod. Thanks very much to everyone who joined our league. Great to have you all on board. A couple of questions from the football pod listeners. Evening. A Mayo woman has been in touch. I would like to get the two lads' opinion on the volume of injuries that Mayo seems to sustain at the minute. Most of them seemingly not related to tackling, but potentially workload. We're seeing quads, hamstrings, etc. Why is it that a top team playing at the top level can't seem to get it right? Is there something missing here? That is an interesting one. It is, it's so important. But with this, the season as short as it is now, Mayo, the way it's actually worked, a quirk that they actually have a couple of weeks now before their next game. But the National League was so heavy and you're rolling straight into the championship. Like... <laughs> Muscle injuries, it, it's all related to training load. And you'd have to say James Horn has been around the block. They He knows the ins and outs. Mayo have a very strong strength and conditioning team behind them. You'd be surprised if they're, they're over-training, but like I say, it is a unique calendar. It's the first time teams are getting a look at this. But when you're getting five, six, seven guys with muscle injuries, that is way too much. That is way too much. And particularly like the fact that it's just key players as well just compounds it even more. Um, but I'm sure they're on top of these things. Like like they're dealing with some elite professionals around design and training programs, your S&C coaches and all that stuff. We, the great Barry Solon on with us last year was involved with Mayo in the past. Like I'd be surprised, but I'm sure there's definitely concerned. I'm sure James Horn is probably looking around asking, going, how are we getting all these injuries? And he's asking his physios, and he's asking his strength conditioning guys why it's happening. But it is can a concern. It, can it just happen? Like, did, it could did, be you, unlucky, did you get yeah. a lot of injuries in one year? Was it 20 when you were all coming towards the end? A lot of you get a lot of muscle injuries. Yeah, we were just old. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old lads were getting it. But we were actually pretty good with it, I have to say. We trained. We didn't train a whole pile, believe it or not. We, like, we Brian Cullen, obviously, with us, who was unbelievable, top of his game. And kind of knew the crack as well, having played obviously himself. But we wouldn't have done a whole pile physical stuff during the summer. It would have been a lot of tactical stuff, recovery, like very, very focused on managing the load. And we we had a pretty good record with it, with injuries. Yeah, when we when we got old as shit and we were all coming to the end, we were creaking. But during our kind of peak years, we, we were very good with it, I have to say. But we didn't do a whole pile of training, believe it or not. I suppose this year, though, Paddy, is so different, isn't it, in terms of yeah. this kind of season? Like, even for the strength and conditioning fellas and the coaches, 
it's a new regime, new system. They're kind of thinking, totally. do we have to push the lads here to be fit enough for June, July? Or is this the right time to do it? And it's obviously, maybe they've pushed a little bit too hard at the wrong time. And like, the thing is, you nick a hamstring three weeks, like a small nick of the Minimum. hamstring. Yeah. Like a tiny little nick of the calf, a month. Like they're just debilitating injuries because they cost you so much valuable time. It is a case of less is more because if you can just stay fit and stay on the field, the benefits you're getting from just being there, it doesn't have to be the hardest training in the world. Just being on the field is some benefit. You've also, you're also throwing in gym sessions. You know, you've got, like I remember when I said that Keane O'Neill came to us first and he had all the colors on the chart of the, the speed session was in red up on the chart and the strength or the power session in the gym was in yellow and all this. We had all these different periods of training. So you'd wonder like if they're in a power session now in the gym, is that putting too much strain on them as opposed to maybe a lighter kind of hyper? Do you even watch gym stuff during the championship? No. <laughs> it's the same. I'd be hiding in the corner. What? Would you would you get away with that though? It became would you an get issue. away with it? Uh, whether no, we, it became an issue. No, your body. No, your body. You're out. You're now used if you're injured on the treatment table. Whatever you need to do to be out on the pitch. And I just said, Cully would be a good buddy of mine, would have played with him. And he'd be giving me the eyes, like, what are you doing over there? And I'm like, Cully. <laughs> what are you foam rolling, are you? I'm doing, me, I'm doing me rolling tonight. I leave the lads, the young lads squat 150 kg there. I'll watch from a safe distance. Yeah. Get on the pitch. Well done. Be ready to go. You do have to be, you, like, you have to be strong in that way, like mentally to be able to say, I'm not doing it. Or not that I'm not doing it, but I know what I need. And it's yeah. not necessarily that this Wednesday. It might be it next Wednesday, but this Wednesday, I just don't feel right for that. I need to be fresh for Friday or Sunday. And had science, because there's so much science involved now, had science come into it in your camps? Or ah, yeah. was there still an element of you boys being able to say, come on, I know my body? At the start, it was definitely science all the way. But like every fella is different. Like even if you're doing the same training session, a corner forward is going to be doing way more accelerations and decelerations to a midfielder who's going to like it's going to be more strain on the body in terms of an injury risk. You mightn't do as much distance, but in terms of injury risk, I think is higher. So he mightn't be as fresh for the gym the following day. Yeah, but it only takes. It probably took a couple of years for that to actually come around. in my experience, it comes down to trust between the players, the exp- who experienced the players are, who experienced the coaches. You can have an inexperienced strength conditioning coach coming in, and it's like you have to do all of, tick all of these boxes. This is like this is what the science says. This is what the program says. This is what the PhD says. There's got to be a balance there, and that's trust between the players, the coaches, the experience, the environment. And we were very lucky to have that with Dublin, and that's what it, James Horn would have that with Mayo, like the Mayo players. You're looking at Paddy Durkin. Ushi Munnan, okay, he's a younger player, but he's a key player. And particularly with his injury record, he's had a horrible run with injuries. They are wrapping him in cotton wool and it's still happening. So you, you can be unlucky. You can definitely, an element of luck is always going to play a part. James is right that it's, with all the will in the world, this is the first year this calendar has been there. We're, and they're thinking, what's the balance? Do we go? Seeing, yeah. And it's it's just unfortunate for Mayo. And like I say, it's just compounded because because of the players that they are missing. Yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of key players. players. These are key players. Yeah. And it's 
it's a difference between winning and losing that game. A lot of key players, a lot of soft muscle injuries. You're also seeing Limerick hurlers having similar, yeah, and they've kept players in the field for a long time. Like, it could be down to the season. We've a class of questions in. Let's get through these quickly. A lot of questions in around Galway's time management. Somebody asking, should there yes. be a clock brought in to say even when Finney Lee gets the black card and Walsh stays down during it for about 90 seconds to two minutes? Like, that is a, that is a loophole. Like, should there be a, a clock brought in like the LJFA system or like the rugby where it gets stopped, especially in key games and big games? Would you be for or against that, James? I don't know who you love tweaking the rules. You're the rules official, James. I <laughs> I am surprised that for that Shane Walsh one, they didn't bring up um, the goalie to take the free. Like, just to really compound how long it was taking. But <laughs> I think the shot clock, you're getting into dangerous territory then, you know? It's just messy. It is. You're asking no, for trouble. You've got to rely on, on the ref to manage that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, bring it in. But it's hard for him. He waved up Heaney um, in the he first did. half because he got a bit of guff off the crowd for Walsh, I think. Um, so he was saying, Heaney, get up and come on, play on. But if he does that in the wrong case, if he does that with a concussion, he, he's, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Do you know, so it's a very, it's a very gray area. Richard Everson wants to know, is this another false dawn for Donegal or one last hurrah for Murphy to make another run at Sam? It's hard to know, but of what we've seen, it was their most complete performance, I feel, in the championship under Declan Bonner. It's an Ulster quarterfinal. There's bigger games ahead, but what we've seen, it was impressive, but like I say, I think Armagh will kick themselves as they look back on how they set up and allowed Donegal to influence that game, like Ryan McHugh, like the way they set up on kickouts. But, on the face of it, it's a really positive win for Donegal. They're on the better side of the Ulster draw. We'll see. Time will tell. I think that, do you remember we were asking a question a couple of weeks ago about Murphy? Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of doing a bit of drifting, but he was definitely inside for a while as well against, against Armagh. But they're strong out there with Langan, Thompson, McGee. So you know, they have... Yeah, McFadden, yeah. Yeah, like they have strength out there now. Even McHugh operating out around there. He doesn't have to maybe go out as much. If he shows a lot of faith in those fellas to get him the ball up higher, then I'd put I'd put Donegal in the contenders bracket, definitely. Does James wish he had stuck with his bold call of Wexford at home now? Offaly were one to five on. That's I a big re- shock. That was a big shock, I have to say. I couldn't believe when I seen that. I thought Offaly with the momentum from last year, the work Mahan had done. The Under Division Indian. 2 team against the Wexford team who'd struggled in Division 4, you're thinking... This is nailed on. That was a big, that's arguably the biggest upset from last weekend. It was a bad defeat. But I, I think I did after the pod actually last week, I think I said, no, I'm <laughs> there's no after time in here. Just off air, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no absolutely twisted my arm to change as well. You're like, ah, oh, James, come on now. I'll be back all the way off air as well. <laughs> absolutely. But not a great win for them, in fairness. What can counties do to get their forwards firing in the next couple of weeks? Let them shoot for 30 minutes before training, 30 minutes after training. It's the only way you're going to get better. Purposeful practice. Go out and do it. Mm-hmm. I used to say, when I was trying to get sharp as a forward, I'd try and, I'd try and kick at the post five days. So if you had three on-the-field team sessions, I'd try and get 50 shots in yeah. two other days. So... If I couldn't, I'd try and get more than 50. But 50 wouldn't be taxing and it sharpens you up. Lovely. Would but you say do if 50 you're... in one go, Jimmy? Or 225? Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I just I have ten balls. Just do thirty. Yeah. Kick them and then five times home. Yeah. I, it's just lovely to keep on top of it. Yeah. And um, like twenty of them might be freeze, so it's thirty of them you might be moving for. It's actually very handy. Are you but, counting? Are you, uh, like? Did, do you get to say yeah. you didn't count or you always counted? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, y- realistically, you should be missing one of your 10. So if you have 10 balls, if you're missing more than one, you're kind of thinking, I'm... I'm Where I'm are you it. shooting from, Jimmy? 65 yards, maybe 70, outside of us. Elfors <laughs> <laughs> win. I'm talking about in the peak of summer now when you're at... Yeah, it. No, talk us through. Talk us through a lovely night down in the Legion Clubhouse or wherever you are. What way are you setting up the shooting drill for yourself? Did someone kick down the balls in? In the, the Theatre of Dreams. In, in Fitzgerald City. No. Oh, oh, I used to go into the stadium, right? But the Theatre of Dreams is Legion Field. Okay. But uh, no, I go, into the, I go into the stadium a lot um, because there'd be no one else there. And Would you hop the wall? Would you climb a tree? I had a key, but often I was hopping the gate, yeah. Um, Did you have someone kicking the ball into you, though, Jimmy? No, I don't want any oh, distraction. I used, to, I used to do that, yeah. I'd end up talking. I talked to them then too much, you know, with it. And it would just be, it would drift on. But I used to bring... My buddy Jamie, we used to go kicking and we'd have a competitive session. Okay. And that was actually probably the best training I did, you know, because you might have a punishment at the end of it or something if you lost or, you know, you'd be, there'd be some mind games. There's an, an extra element to it. Like sometimes you could go up on your own and you'd be going through the motions and you wouldn't miss. Yeah. But then if someone, you know, was competing against you or whatever, just adds an extra element of, of intent. Paddy, who kicked the ball in and out to you? Who was your shooting buddy? Depending, like you, you might bring another player with you trying to do the same thing. We bring Jason Sherlock, who was our coach at the time, or Mick Galvin later on. But it was very much, when I was younger, you start out and you're doing that kind of arsing around. You'd be out there for an hour and you'd kick the 100 balls and you wouldn't keep score. But definitely around maybe 14, Mick Bahan would have been good for it. 14, 15, it was down to 30 balls. And if you have a howler, you're not getting another 30. It's, yeah. these count. And I, I was never free takers. It was all on the move. It was pop balls either side of the D, dummy, left foot, dummy, right foot, out to my angles where I'd like to shoot from. That was just practice, 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 all on the move, all in action and keeping a score of them, 100% keeping a score of them, yeah. Um, and the ones you'd miss, you know, you go, why did I miss that? Really critical of yourself. Why did I miss it? And it just... The more you did it, if I didn't do that in my off nights, it, it would affect my confidence on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like a half a second hesitating, going, is this really on? Whereas if you're in the summer, you've no injuries, the body's right, you're kicking in your off, the nights are meant to be off or just extra sessions. You go into games, you go into training matches, stuff like that, and it's just like, bang, pull the trigger. No doubt, total confidence. And that's how you do it. There's no secret formula. I've yet to hear of anyone do anything other than that purposeful practice and go out and kick spinners from everywhere. All the best. Well, you know, when you're a forward, like it, it that's not work to a forward. No, you enjoy it. doing it. That, Summer that, night. Yeah. That's yeah. the the most enjoyable thing you can do on an evening when you're yeah. when you're playing and playing well. You know, we didn't have and the luxury now, Clarity. We were down in DCU there at Glass Nevin, so not as not as luxurious. Oh. As, yeah, St. Clair's uh, is a lovely setup, though. It is in the summer now, yeah. Uh, balls used to always be there. They were shining in the background. Okay. I remember Pat Fenley giving out balls flying onto his pitch. 
piss off. You get into Croker the other night, surely. I have a key for Croker, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I turned the lights on. Let's go. Listen, throw them on the brother's wedding. Throw them on for me. Do you not have that? No. No, I'm getting it off you. You copy for me. Yeah, I'll send it on. I'll post it up to you. Do you hear that Galway were allowed into McHale Park to practice during the week? Fitzmaurice was giving out about it Mm. on air. Paid off for Shane Walsh on the new surface. Okay, last bit of business. Aiden Friel, top of the pile in the Football Pod Fantasy League. 216 points. Outrageous performance from Nave Colin Kill. I'm not going to read out the name of his team. Um, actually, I will. It's it's Rod Little's young ones. He ran off. Remember Rod Little? <laughs> He's the one who ran off. Who wrote it, Bill? <laughs> yeah. Andrew McKenna, Classic. Loman's lad, St. Loman's one and Gary, 209 points. And Dermot Campbell broke the 200 point mark as well uh, from Dreadnought. The Wolfpack and all of this. The Wolfpack. <laughs> you got 57 points. It wasn't too bad. 57. I got, I got 47. Paddy Dirk has captain or something, did I? I, I, I How many did I get? James, right? You clearly did a lot of research on your team. You got McBrearty in there. You got Mulroy in there. Oh, oh, oh McBrearty, he went. Oh, he's, uh, he's that, that, that high profile. And Shane Walsh. But hold on a second. You didn't enter the fantasy football pod league for the actual podcast, the football pod league. You do that. No, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, boy, I baby. know what you've done now. I've blown you out the water in week one. And I don't think your scores are going to count. Bad. Yeah, no, we're going to have to figure out. I was on, look, I was on to, to Cahill in, in the Fantasy Football Pod page. He says that he saw you in it earlier in the week, so we're going to try and figure out what went on oh. there. So how many points did I get? You got 171, so you had a pretty sensational. 157, oh, jeez. Yeah. 57 sensation. I got. I checked your teams, right? Oh, no, you're, you're in the league. You're in the league. You're in the league. You're in the league. You yeah. made, you, you made some holders. I know. I picked my team a week beforehand quickly and left it at that. You're Kerry aren't playing until week two or week oh, three. Yeah. But sure, you're not changing every week. I to comment on everyone's team going, what are you doing? Like, you need to load up on Kevin this week and Donny Gall. <laughs> are, are, are you allowed to change every week? I think it's week Well, there's another the transfer change. window open tomorrow. It's a yeah. The whole thing is flawed. Yeah. Give me my money back. 71 versus 47 and 57. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the dubs playing. They weren't even playing. Jesus. No, I was in the same boat as you. <laughs> I didn't do my due diligence, but well done to everyone who did. You're, uh, there's about 200 entrants into, the, into our football pod fantasy league. So well done to you all. Thanks very much to listen, for listening in this week uh, on episode 14 of the football pod. Brought to you by AIB, proud sponsors of the GA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Paddy Andrews, it's been a pleasure. Magic. James O'Donoghue, thank you very much. You're welcome. And to everyone at home, we hope you enjoy the podcast wherever you're listening. We'll talk to you very soon.